Hi, I'm Keith, Manager of Organizational and Spiritual Life with Christian Horizons. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Renew, Caring for You as You Care for Others. So we've been talking about the hazards of care. What are some of the unique difficulties, the unique challenges that come in caregiving work? It might be related to seeing our work as a calling, might be related to burnout and compassion fatigue. So discerning, is this a matter of being overworked? Am I having difficulty finding meaning in the work that I do? Or is this about compassion fatigue, where in working with other people, I am just pouring out into others and being worn out over time? Today we're going to transition into talking about self-care and the art of resilience and why this is so important. I shared a quote with you last week from uh, Rachel Naomi Remen, and she says, the expectation that we can be immersed in suffering and loss daily and not be touched by it is as unrealistic as expecting to be able to walk through water without getting wet. And I think that's such a vivid image for us. As we accompany people, as we journey people with people, we're a danger of um, getting wet, getting splashed on by the suffering that other people experience. And in a way, that's a it's a good thing. It means that we're being empathetic. We're traveling and and companioning with people in their lives and the difficulties that they're facing. But um, as she went on to say, we also need to learn to deal with that grief that that vicarious grief almost that comes up as a result of working with people or caring for people. Now, I guess the other option uh, here would be that we could have uh, robots do all of our caregiving work. And (laughs) I mean, this is more for um, a thought exercise than anything, but what what would be the difference there between hiring robots to, to care for people and having whether it's loved ones or in family members or uh, professional caregivers provide that care. Well, you'd obviously be missing that human touch, that human point of connection, that human investment in the lives of others. That's so crucial to maintaining not only our bodies, but also our spirits and our souls as we feel encouraged, as we, as we know that there are people that are invested in our lives. I remember it was a, a couple of years ago now, but I received a call from a direct support professional who worked with us. She'd been through a pretty rough situation in her work. She'd been involved in doing CPR with somebody that we support uh, who ended up passing away. And there were some uh, difficulties and complications that came out of that as a result of, of working with this person's family. Just over overall and all around, it was an um, incredibly challenging and difficult situation for her. Now, I thought she was calling me to set up a time to meet, to set up a time to talk. Uh, but we ended up having the meeting kind of on the phone in what I thought was going to be a 10-minute call. Uh, it ended up being an hour-long call. Now, this particular direct support professional had a really strong sense of purpose 
in her work. She she felt called to do the work that she did, to work with the people whom she worked with. It was a it was a religious call. She felt like God was asking her to be in the lives of of these people and providing care. And so that's that's a it's a beautiful thing. I mean, the way that she um, she responded to the family's concerns, the way that she responded in the situation, the the emergency situation was all good. She she followed through on her obligations. Um, no matter how difficult it was to go through that at the time. But with so much investment in her work, and in particular being the primary support person for this person who passed away, she was so invested in in his life. She was so invested in, in that family even. And having the calling towards it just made her really question why, why she went through that, um, why she was doing this in the first place. It was incredibly devastating for her. You can you can question that calling. You can question, have I been investing in the wrong things and the wrong people? Have I wasted this time of my life? Have I wasted my energy she was worried about going back into depression. There has to be a way to uh, sustain ourselves through times like that. Now, this was particularly traumatic. So you're working with both the, the, the traumatic situation itself, along with her own relationship with her work, her own understanding of what she was called to do. But we need a kind of, of belonging, the sense of calling, of being in the right place with the right people, and also a kind of almost distance or perspective from our work, to be able to to step back and realize that I did what I could, but at the end of the day, I can't do everything. I'm not in control of this situation. I'm not in control of the lives of others, and they're going to make their own choices, and they're going to suffer in ways that I can't prevent that I'm not all powerful here, that I have my own limits, just as the people whom I support have limits as well. Now, obviously, in that conversation, that phone call, it wasn't the time to be providing feedback on, you know, exactly why she was experiencing what she was experiencing or what, what could have been done differently. And to be honest, I needed some time to, to process that and to recognize that it's one of the challenges of caregiving work, but it's also a challenge of seeing care as a calling and being really invested in people's lives. In that moment, though, it was a matter of listening, supporting, praying with her, and pointing her to professional help that might be able to support her through this. She ended up stepping down from her role. I don't know if she uh, went back, but you have to wonder what is the what is the way in which we can be set up to do our work with the kind of investment that allows us to pour into the lives of others, but also the kind of distance or perspective that allows us to, to step back and recognize our own limitations in that. Together with the trauma that she experienced from that crisis scenario, there's a kind of grief that comes from that level of investment in people's lives. And our grief has its own DNA 
it has a DNA that's closely related to who we are and how we see the world and how we see our work and our role in that, how we see what it means to support and care for others and the way that our identity is wrapped up in that. Our grief has a DNA and figuring out what that looks like is one of the key ways to start to respond to that. Now, professionalism is a bit of a buzzword in caregiving work, whether that's in um, healthcare or in uh, the field of developmental services. But we talk a lot about professionalism. There's a there's there are standards, there are guidelines, there are ways of being around others that we don't um, allow ourselves to become too invested. And, and there's something to that, I think. There's something to having um, ethical expectations around the work that we do and limits on the things we can and cannot engage with in caregiving work. Now, obviously, that's not something that caregiving family members have the luxury of. That if you are in somebody's life in that way as a loved one, you, you aren't able to have the same kind of professional distance. Even then, in uh, professional work that we do, professional caregiving, it, it only goes so far. If we are people who care, if we are people who walk alongside others and journey with them and have compassion on their situation, then we will be invested. And we need to find ways to uh, respond to that and be resilient in that regardless of of where we're coming from, just as human beings. And so that's why I talk about self-care as the art of resilience. Just as our, our grief and our sense of loss has its own DNA, so self-care and the response needs to have a kind of uniqueness to it that, that fits us, that fits where we're coming from, where I'm at, the things that sustain me, and it's going to be a bit of a, a messy art to find out exactly what that is. We'll talk more about this later, but really it means that our self-care needs to meet us where we're at and not just be something that works well for others. There isn't a blueprint to it that we can just say, take steps A, B, and C, and you'll be fine. You'll be able to do this well. And I think sometimes that's what professionalism converge on. It converge on, okay, well, if you follow these guidelines, if you follow these rules, then you'll be okay. You'll be strong. You'll be resilient. You'll be able to provide care in a way, in an ongoing way that isn't going to wear you down. But as that quote that we shared earlier says, we also need to be able to respond to the grief and the loss that we experience as a result of care. And that's something that professionalism doesn't do well. So where where are you coming from? We asked the question in an earlier episode, what, what brought me to this kind of care, this kind of caregiving? I mentioned that for me, it was an invitation to become involved in this work. Um, the encouragement that this is something that I could do. But I think going back even further, I think of my own family. I think about my, my mom and my dad. And my dad uh, is a pastor. He has been a pastor um, minister ever since I, I was young. And one of the way he was always caring for his congregants, for the people in his church, 
Uh, he was caring for us as a family as well, but I think this sense of calling and dedication to the church community sometimes uh, sometimes took priority, and obviously in times of um, crisis response or when somebody is, is going through a really difficult circumstance, you need to, to step in there. But there are other things going on in terms of how I understand my relationship to care. So coming from within the Christian tradition, we're shaped by different uh, verses, different sayings, and, and no matter what tradition or background you're coming from, you might have sayings that resonate in your head that uh, that shape the way you see the world, that shape the way that you care for others. So one of the, the verses from the Bible that stands out to me is this uh, from, from John 15, verses 12 to 13, where Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is something I think my dad uh, really lived out and lives out through the course of his life, that this kind of laying down your life for those that you care about. Um, selfless is the word that comes to mind there, or this kind of a, a servant heart where you um, where you pour yourself into the lives of others, sometimes regardless of the personal costs that might have on you. There's a sense that the more selfless I am, the more that I give up of myself, the better I'm able to care for others. And to keep something back or to try to preserve myself in some way is really a, a selfish kind of an act. Now, that wasn't something that he ever said um, out loud that to 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 care for oneself would be selfish, but it's more of a perception that it just happens as you're being raised and as you're watching those around you. And so... I remember another verse, this is uh, from Mark 12, that helps to provide some perspective on this, I think, where Jesus says the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater uh, than these. And so that that act, that art of loving your neighbor as yourself, it says that it's not, it's not just a matter of emptying yourself, right? That there is a certain kind of love or care that we naturally have towards ourselves and, and recognizing that I too, and this is again from within the Christian tradition, I am, um, and, and Jewish and other faiths have this as well, but I am somebody who is created in the divine image, created in the image of God. And so as I'm accompanying somebody on the caregiving journey, uh, both I and the person whom I'm supporting are created in this divine image, are worthy of love, are worthy of care and affection. And so I've come to recognize that pure selflessness isn't necessarily what we are called to. So there's a point at which it becomes self-neglectful. And the, the point where we're able to care the, the most is, is not when we're being self-indulgent or selfish, uh, 
But it's also not when we're neglecting our own needs that to really value the gift of life that we've been given means to care for myself and to believe that as somebody created in the divine image, I have something to give. And it's also to believe that the person who I am accompanying on the caregiving journey has something to give as well. That I am not just a giver no more any more than uh, another person is only a receiver. That there's a kind of, of almost a communion of hospitality, I want to call it. That we are there caring in certain ways for one another. Henry Nouwen put it beautifully, I think, when he said that uh, true care is mutual care. I had a, a friend who, who talked about being care partners rather than just caregivers and care receivers. And I think there's a, an important truth to that. that. We are partners in care that as human beings, there are certain needs that I can certainly meet for others, but there are also certain needs sometimes that I don't recognize that are met as I give and receive care. The need for human interaction, the need to feel like I'm contributing, that I belong, the need to feel like I'm making a difference in the world around me, feeling competent. Maybe it's the, the, the need for humor, for laughter, that reminds us of the, the levity of, of life in certain situations, as well as the need to remember the gravity of life and the significance of life even through times of grief and times of loss. Now, we also want to be mindful that there are obviously certain needs that we cannot look to meet through the caregiving relationship. And I think this is where professionalism is helpful and that it reminds us of some of the boundaries of that, that we need to make sure that we have a life outside of caregiving that sustains us interests, hobbies, friends, people who have different interests uh, from us, spirituality and nurturing a sense of meaning and purpose in our lives that isn't entirely wrapped up in the caregiving relationship. I think we see challenges once our, once our whole identity becomes bound up in the life of another, of one other person, for instance. Where if something happens to that, then it, it kind of takes everything down with it. We've talked a bit about professionalism in the, the direct support work that I've done. Um, resilience is one of the, the core competencies, the core behaviors that are expected of people who work in this, this line of work. And so the definition here of resilience is that it involves maintaining stamina and performance under continuing stress to act effectively under pressure. It includes bouncing back from disappointments or confrontations, not letting them negatively influence ongoing performance. Resilient people consistently display determination, self-discipline, and commitment in spite of setbacks or lack of support and a willingness to take a stand when appropriate. I think there's something important there, something that's necessary as part of the caregiving journey. And I, I do believe that self-care is what helps us to maintain that resilience. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been a part of different self-care seminars and, and workshops and conferences in the past. And I remember 
going to a, a large conference in Kingston a number of years ago. It was, overall, it was a really excellent conference. But one thing that struck me is, I mean, besides the fact that I was one of uh, three men, I think, in a crowd of about 500 people, <laughs> which uh, is another topic for another day, but uh, one of the things that struck me was there was uh, a gentleman who was teaching on self-care practices, and as he talked about his schedule for the day, being able to get up and, and meditate and self-reflect for an hour and then have incredibly healthy food for breakfast, lunch and supper at set times and uh, do writing and go for walks. And it just struck me how different his life was from most of our lives. So whether you have uh, children, for instance, um, whether you're you're single or you you have a family, um, whether you are working in a kind of shift work, which I mean, most people working direct support or in hospital settings, etc., do have shift work and might be working overnights, for instance. And so we don't want a kind of self care that only works if 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 we. The, the the picture that comes to mind is almost like a a unicorn that this 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 dream or this ideal of self-care is a unicorn that we talk about and that we say oh yeah yeah that would be so good but is really unattainable for most of us unless we are a uh, a writer for instance who has completely a complete control over their own schedule and their own day and obviously in your if you're in caregiving work that is not something that's going to be um, be easy for us. And so all that to say that just as uh, grief has its own DNA, just as our self-care isn't a certain blueprint, uh, we need to find these practices that work well for, for me as a person in the midst of my actual life and the work that I do in the world. And so my hope and my prayer is that over the coming episodes that we're able to latch on to one or two things that make a difference in our lives in an ongoing way. And so as we, we talk about the art of resilience, we're going to be looking at how do, how do I see the world, right? So what are my expectations for myself? How do I manage those? How do I find thanks or practice gratitude in the midst of, of different situations? How do I recognize the gifts? So the gifts of my, my colleagues, if I have them, the gifts of my family, the gifts of people who I provide care for, recognizing my own gifts too. What do I bring to the work that I do? Um, that ties into knowing ourselves. So if the first section is seeing the world, the second is knowing ourselves. Who am I? How do I relate to the work that I do? And then relating to one another is a third point that's so significant. So practicing communication. What does good communication look like? And, and conflict management, um, compassion, and then connecting with others around me in a way that's sustaining and life-giving. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Renew. Uh, let me say a prayer for you as we close off today's session. Father, we thank you that you are a good God who cares. 
you care for us you care for all you you care for the caregivers in the ways that sometimes we don't even take time to care for ourselves and so we pray that we would learn to practice that kind of care well not that we would turn into robots but that we would tap into your gifts that you've given us we recognize the gifts in others as well and we would we would use those we would use our interests and our, our life both in caregiving and outside to to sustain us through times that are difficult times that are tough we pray that you would give us an appropriate sense of calling one that doesn't see us as a savior coming to meet everyone's needs but who has a part to play in being a positive influence in the lives of others and in turn receiving a kind of care that changes who we are and transforms who we are as human beings. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks to James Palmer for lending his guitar talent to this project. You can follow him on Instagram at jamespalmernb or find his album Redwood on Spotify.